0: The Mainly Plants Podcast. My name is Ryan Furman, and I am a certified plant-based nutritionist. The website is mainlyplants.com. Social media at mainlyplants for all of your Amazon shopping needs. mainlyplants.com/slash/amazon. Uh, it takes you right to Amazon. Doesn't charge you anything, and it uh, helps me out so I can continue to help you all out. If you need to get a hold of me for some reason, uh, whether it be for my nutrition services, whether it be coaching or any other myriad of services that I offer, uh, which you can check out on MainlyPlants.com, you can contact me through the website. There is a contact me area. Or you can email me, ryan at MainlyPlants.com. Or you can just DM me through social media. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you can figure it out. So this week, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things that kind of go hand in hand. And they are food journaling and how to accurately read a food nutrition label. So these are two questions that I get very frequently. And the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about food journaling. And kind of the proper way to do it to make sure that you are set up for success, right? So first of all, why, why food journal, right? The reason a food journal is if you're looking to make a change, if you're looking to drop weight or you want to incorporate more plant-based foods into your diet or whatever the reason is, you want to reduce sugar, reduce carbohydrates, increase fat, whatever it is, you need to have an accurate data point of what you've been eating. And the only, the only real way to make a change and to make it, uh, the, the change appropriately is to know what you're doing as of now. And the best way to do that is through a food journal. So so what's the first step? Well, you need to set up your diary, your food journal. And the easiest and most organized way to track what you're eating and, and drinking, a lot of people leave out drinking, a lot of people leave out what they're consuming, they only think of it in terms of food, but you have to track both of them, is by either writing everything down by hand in a notebook, or downloading a food journal app on your phone or laptop or computer. Uh, I, I suggest doing it on your phone. Your phone's usually always with you, so if you're going out to eat, it'll be with you. Personally, I think that the app MyFitnessPal is the best. It's MyFitnessPal, I believe it's all one word. And they have a huge database in there. So you can you know type in, if you went to Sprouts or Safeway and got, you know for example, um, Planters mixed nuts. It'll already have a database in there. And it'll already have all the information for you. So all you have to do is select that and add it to your your diary and and select the amount that you ate. It's really the easiest way to do this. And it really makes the 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 process of food journaling a lot less painful. Uh, another nice feature about MyFitnessPal, and they're not sponsors by the way. They just they have a good product that I like and and most of my clients when they're food journaling will use this app. But you can also export your journal and send it. So, for instance, if you decide to take me up on the food journal analysis, you want an expert to look over your food journal, you can just shoot it off to me in an email and I'll have the entire thing right there. It doesn't let me look at you know your account or anything on my FitnessPal, but it lets me look at your food journal between a certain date range that you that you denote. If you if you are doing it by hand or in a, uh, an app, you need to make sure that you keep track of the date, time, and the item eaten, obviously, and the quantity consumed. So there's, there's four must-haves. You got to make sure you, you put it in the accurate date. What day did you have it on? What time did you have it on? What did you have? And how much of it did you consume? So again, if you know, if you don't, if you shy away from the whole technology thing and you want to do it by hand, just use a blank notebook, or you can go out and buy a, one of those daily calendar diaries that they have. Yeah, they have them at Staples and Office Max, and just jot it down by hand. And if you aren't sure what to look for, you can email me. I have sample food diary pages that you can print out and use, or you can just you know copy it into the notebook of your choice. That's kind of you know the, it's the analog way. There are some people that don't like apps and like technology. So if you don't like technology and apps, shoot me an email. I'll be happy to help you out. Otherwise, download my MyFitnessPal. It's super easy. You can do it again from your desktop, tablet, or phone. So the next step after you set up your food journal is you need to begin the process of recording everything that you eat and drink. Right? So the, in order to get the most benefits from your food journal, it needs to be super accurate. You need to literally track everything that goes into your mouth. So all meals, all drinks, snacks, even if you nibble on food while you're cooking, or if you're chewing gum, everything that goes into your mouth. God, there's a dirty joke in here somewhere. But everything that goes in your mouth, you need to keep track of. And you need to be very specific. You need to break each food. You know, If you make a dish you need to break it down by an ingredient. So, you know, if you're making something from scratch, you need to put all the ingredients in there. For example, if you're writing down, you know, if you were just write down tofu scramble, that doesn't give you enough information. You need to write out the quantity of tofu, the quantity of oil, uh, any veggies, any seasoning that you use, all all as separate entries in the journal. So, you know, for example, write down, you know, a section for breakfast, and then... Tofu scramble, colon, (coughs) excuse me, line one, zucchini. Here's, I had this much zucchini, yada, yada, yada. It seems daunting at first, but once you get the hang of it, it becomes very easy. It's also a really good self-learning tool, right? So once you do it a few times with your go-to dishes, everybody has certain dishes that they like to prepare uh, very frequently. But once you do this enough, you'll know exactly you know the, the the amounts of whatever ingredients you're using, and then you can extrapolate that to other dishes that you use. So if you know that you use you know this much onion in your favorite dish and you use about twice as much in another dish, then you can extrapolate that, right? You can just you can you can use what you know for other dishes and it becomes a lot easier. And like I said before, you need to record all beverages that you are consuming, even water, everything. So tracking how much water you drink will give you, and if you choose to, me, an insight into whether or not you need to consume more water or less water throughout your day. Or if you're drinking soda, or iced tea, or whatever it is, or coffee. You need to make sure that that is in there. And like I mentioned, you need to write down accurate quantities, right? So this is step three, your quantities. Writing down the quantities that you consume is, just as important as anything else i don't want to say it's more important but it's just as important you might want to purchase a food scale or uh, accurate measuring cups to help you ensure that your quantities are correct and the reason i say this is because you know you can put down i had you know a a fist size amount of you know uh, tofu for example but I don't necessarily know how big your fist is. I know how big my fist is. It might be bigger than yours. It might be smaller than yours. So you can do it that way. It's not very accurate. And since we want to get the most accurate data point for what you're consuming, it's best to go above and beyond and really just kind of get into get into the process. So I really recommend they have food scales. They're digital. They're not very expensive. Go to mainlypl- mainlyplants.com/Amazon. Search for food scale and there's a million of them and the next thing you want to do is you know before you're making any changes to how much you eat you need to start by measuring the food that you normally serve yourself right so like i said in order to get a good game plan we need an accurate representation of what you're currently consuming so if the portions are too big or too small, then we can make the necessary adjustments. But we don't want to make the adjustments before we know what's going on. Keeping your, keeping, keep measuring your food, or using you know certain cups and bowls or containers that are a specific measurement size. So if you have a bowl that you like to use and you know it's exactly a cup, keep using that kind of a thing. This is all to build up your knowledge base for how much you're consuming. So for example, you're eating out, you can you, you'll be able to eventually get to a point where you know this is about a cup of X. This is about uh, you know two tablespoons of Z. So you can gauge it that way when you get good at food journaling. Now like I said, guesstimating or, or you know eyeballing your food is is not very accurate and it generally leads to underestimating your food total and your caloric intake, which is a big issue. Now you can do this, here and there or once you get the hang of things. But like I said, since this is for beginners and people who are just getting introduced to food journaling, I don't recommend this. Now, like I mentioned a second ago, you might have to estimate quantities when it comes to eating out at restaurants or purchasing certain foods that are difficult to weigh. Uh, A lot of chain restaurants will have their ingredients and nutritional information on their websites. So, You know, go out and do the research. Again, like I said before in the very beginning, most food journal apps will have a big database to select from. So if you are using the MyFitnessPal app, uh, I can't speak to other food journal apps because I don't use any other ones, but MyFitnessPal is a great one. Like I said, they have a huge database. So I really suggest that. It really cuts down on the guesswork. So the fourth step and the final step to food journaling is writing down the date, time, and place that you ate. Now, this is a very important part of finding patterns in your eating habits. So if you're trying to make changes to your diet or your lifestyle, this kind of information really helps provide some insight into why you eat certain foods at certain times. A lot of people don't realize this. So try to write down the exact time rather than you know, something like I had an afternoon snack or a midnight snack. Write down, you know, twelve thirty-six p.m. or one twenty-five a.m. Whatever it is. Writing down where you are when you eat seems above and beyond, but it can give you a little added insight. It gives you a little little edge on people who food journal and don't do this, right? So, for instance, if you are, a, are a, an eater who eats out of boredom. And you realize that looking back on your food journal, well, I had X, Y, and Z while sitting on the couch, and this happened every day, then you can curb that behavior because you can realize I'm just eating out of boredom. You know, I'm lazing on the couch, and this is when I get hungry for chips or cookies. You can curb that by doing certain things, right? Either don't sit on the couch as much, or you can realize it and opt for a healthier option, or realize that you're eating out of boredom and just don't don't have that crappy snack, Right. Don't make any changes, I can't stress this enough, don't make any, any changes to your normal routine until you have a food journal. Without the proper information that a food journal provides, you could be making changes for the worse. You could be doing yourself a disservice. Once you have your food journal, you, I, really, I really press this, is that you really should be contacting me to do a review and analysis to see where the changes, if any, need to be. You know, you can food journal you want, but if you don't know what you're looking for, uh, there's not really much point in it. And you know, people will come to me and say, you know, I I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I can't lose the weight, or you know, I can't kick the caffeine, or whatever it is. The first thing I'll recommend is, well, we need to do a food journal. I need to get a a good picture of what your eating habits are like. And by the same accord, so do you, because most people don't even realize that they don't stop to think. <clears throat> so lastly, how long should a food journal be? Well, it should be looked at at seven whole days at a time, one week. I would food journal nonstop until you get the hang of it, until you see the changes are coming naturally. But in terms of analyzation or analysis, analysis, is an a word? Analysis, I believe. So in terms of analysis, you want to look at it at a week at a time. It gives you a good picture of your habits, and it's not too much data that you drive yourself insane. Okay, so that, my friends, is food journaling. Now, when you're food journaling, you are inevitably, most likely, if you're new to this, going to be buying foods with food labels. Most people don't realize how to read a food label. Mm. My mouth is super dry today. Stand by. Okay, so how to read a food label. Now, food labels and product packagings, especially when it comes to bad food, are set up to fool you. So the first thing is don't be fooled by the claims on the front of the box. We're not even to the food label yet. One of the, the most ignored places is the front of the packaging. And the labels on the front of packaging try to lure you into purchasing products by making these health claims. These manufacturers who manufacture different products want to make you believe that their food is healthier than the other that it's sitting to on the shelf, sitting next to on the shelf. And now this has actually been studied. And the research shows that adding health claims to the front labels affects people's choices. And why wouldn't it? if you have you know two identical things two identical boxes of crackers and one says low fat and the other doesn't naturally you're going to reach for that one it makes people believe that a product is healthier than the alternative who doesn't have that label most of these labels are unfortunately dishonest in the way that they're being used they tend to use health claims that are misleading and sometimes aren't even accurate at all. So an example, right? A lot of breakfast cereals that are pretty much candy will have little badges on the front saying whole grain, but they're cocoa puffs. Yeah, there might be whole grains in it. That doesn't mean it's healthy, right? So it really makes it hard for consumers to choose healthy choices without really inspecting the the ingredients list and the food label. So the bottom line is that the front labels are often used to lure people into buying products. And what you need to do is just ignore them. Don't even look at the front of the box, turn it over and immediately look at the ingredient list, which brings us to the ingredients. The ingredient list underneath the nutrition label is listed by quantity from highest to lowest amount used in that product. So, the first ingredient on the ingredient list is the most is the highest quantity in that product. So a good rule of thumb is to scan the first thing, three ingredients because they are the largest part of what you're eating. If the first ingredients include refined grains or some sort of sugar or hydrogenated oils or partially hydrogenated oils, you can be safe to assume that the product is unhealthy. So instead, try to choose items that have whole foods listed as the first three ingredients, if not all ingredients, which is hard to do, obviously, but at least the first three ingredients should be whole ingredients. Another good rule of thumb is that if the ingredient list is longer than two to three lines, most likely it's highly processed, unless it's just a bunch of whole foods in there. My, my biggest rule of thumb and if you've talked to me personally before, you probably know this, if you can't pronounce an ingredient or you have no idea what that ingredient is, odds are your body doesn't either and it's not going to know what to do with it and it shouldn't be consumed. So you see all these these, you know, these ingredients that you would only know from taking a chemistry course in college, try to stay away from that as much as possible. And again, you know, be skeptical of these long, these long ingredient lists, because again, it's probably highly processed. And we don't want a lot of highly processed stuff in your bodies. Our bodies doesn't our bodies don't know what to do with all these highly processed things. The next thing is is you need to watch out for serving sizes, serving sizes. The backs of nutrition labels, that I should say on the back of the box on the nutrition labels, it states how many calories and nutrients are in a single serving of the product. However, these serving sizes are often much smaller portions that that people generally eat of that product in one sitting. This is a way for the manufacturer to make their product look healthier than it really is. So, for example, you shouldn't be having soda or any cookies, but a lot of you are. You might look at the back of it, and it might say that a serving is a half a can, but nobody's going to sit there and drink a half a can of soda. You're going to drink the whole thing. Or, you know, you get a package of cookies, and it says that serving size is one quarter cookie. Well, nobody's going to eat a quarter cookie. This is just another tactic to make it make it look like they are uh, healthier. Or, you know, you get a a bag of Doritos, and it says serving size is approximately five chips. Please, nobody, you, you sit down and eat a bag of Doritos. You're eating a bag of Doritos. So again, it's just a way of for the manufacturer to to make it look like the product has fewer calories and less sugar, you know, and less saturated fats than, than it really does. Most people don't even realize that that this serving size scheme exists. So, you know, don't feel bad or feel like an idiot because it, you know, unless you're told or unless you do the research, you just don't know. If you If you're interested in knowing the nutrition value of what you're eating truly and fully, you have to multiply the serving size given on the nutrition label by what you intend to consume or what you have consumed or what you know that you usually consume. That's the only way that will give you a, 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 a good picture, right? And this is kind of where food journaling comes into play. This is why I'm pairing the nutrition label reading with the food journal for today. They go hand in hand, really. So the bottom line for for serving sizes is that it's really misleading and unrealistic. So be careful of that. Now, I mentioned before there are these labels on the front of the boxes, right? And a lot of times they're plastered on the sides and all around uh, different areas on the box. But I want to go over what they mean. And you might see see a, a label that says light. Right. What, what what does light mean? Well, light products are processed to reduce either calories or fat, and kind of just watered down. So you need to see what the what the additional things added in are. So you know you really need to check carefully to see if anything's been increased because other stuff's been removed, specifically sugar. Multigrain is another one that sounds very healthy. But basically, just means that there is more than one type of grain in the product. And usually, they're refined grains and not whole grains, which aren't the best for you. You'll see a lot, especially nowadays, you'll see a lot of things that say natural or organic. Well, natural, this doesn't necessarily mean that the product resembles anything natural. It just simply means that at some point, the manufacturer had a natural source of that product to work with so you might get you know um, what are those uh, those dehydrated like apple chips and it'll, it might say natural on the front but nat- apple chips don't come from nature if you start as an apple then you gotta dehydrate and there's usually high fructose corn syrup added in to make it sweeter or different seasonings so natural doesn't mean that it's healthy uh, and like I mentioned organic it doesn't Necessarily mean if healthy organic doesn't mean healthy, you know organic sugar is still sugar whether it's organic or not. So you know only certified organically grown products can be guaranteed as or as organic, but it doesn't mean that it's healthy. So you know you have to remember that they they slap these labels on products. To make them seem healthier, they're there for a reason to try and trick you. So don't be fooled. Another one is no added sugar. Well, that's great, but it's usually because that product is already just high in sugar. So it doesn't necessarily mean healthy again. And other ones, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to go through a whole ton of them because you know there's a million of them. But low calorie, low fat, low carb, made with whole grain, uh, fortified or enriched. Gluten free, fruit flavored, zero trans fat. Um, these are all just tactics used to try and dupe you. I do want to mention in that zero trans fat one though. So, this is where people get screwed. Zero trans fat actually means technically less than one half of a gram of trans fat per serving. So, you might have something with five servings in it which means that there are two and a half grams of trans fat in it so they can get away with that you can be consuming trans fat and be told you're not consuming any trans fat does that make sense i hope it makes sense if any of these don't make sense or you need clarity please please contact me and let me know now with all that being said it's not all doom and gloom there are a ton of truly healthy foods out there that are actually organic or natural or whole grain however You need to be sure that just because it has that label on it doesn't mean that it's healthy, okay? Now, the next big thing is sugar. Sugar goes by countless names, most of which you won't recognize, and most of which I didn't recognize until I really did the research. And the food manufacturers use this to their advantage. The they purposely add many different kinds of sugar to their products so that they can hide the actual amount of sugar. So by doing this, they can list a quote-unquote healthier ingredient at the top and mention sugar farther down. So even though a product may be loaded with sugar, it doesn't necessarily appear as one of the top three ingredients. So they break the sugar out into different different names to make it seem like there's less sugar in It's basically what it comes down to. Now, like I said, there are many different types of sugar. There's beet sugar, brown sugar, buttered sugar, um, cane sugar, coconut sugar, um, invert sugar. That's another one. Organic raw sugar, right? Evaporated cane juice, high fructose corn syrup. um, All these types of sugars. Um, God, what are some more? Let me think. Honey, agave nectar, maple syrup. Um, rice bran syrup is a, is a big one that's coming up and rice syrup these are all just sugars so I mean there's a million I can I can, I can name off other ones um, lactose is a type of sugar whether you believe it or not um, crystalline fructose dextrin is a big one malodextrin maltose I, I could go on and on there's probably 50 different names for sugar and If you see any of those in the top spots on the ingredient list, or or just a bunch of these throughout the ingredient list, then you can be sure that the product is high in sugar, though it might not look like it. And basically how do you avoid all this confusion, right? Because this is confusing. I just I just went through a lot of information. And you might need to listen back to it again to get everything. And it even still confuses me. Even talking about it, you know, you go down one path and you have to divert and talk about this thing and talk about that thing. There's a lot of information. How do you how do you assure yourself that you don't fall into these traps? Well, choose more whole foods. Right. The best way to avoid being misled by these food nutrition labels and the nutrition facts on the back is just to avoid processed foods wherever you can. You know, if you if you do decide to buy packaged foods, it's obviously necessary necessary to sort out the junk food from the actual products that are higher quality, and you kind of gotta learn this routine. But if you choose an eighty percent whole food plant based diet and screw off twenty percent of the time, you'll be all right. But you should know when you're screwing off, you should know what you're eating, right? So. Just be wary, be careful. Know that that these companies are not invested in your health. They're invested in making money and they will do whatever they can to sell their product. So just be aware. Now, there is a, a new set of rules coming up for the nutrition labels. And added sugars is going to be a new category, the nutrition label, because right now it doesn't have to list added sugars. Uh, there's going to there's a whole myriad of changes, but since I just gave you a ton of information on what to look for, I'm not going to go into them because these rules, these new guidelines for the nutrition labels, don't the companies don't have to start uh, producing them until January 26th, 2018. And you can be sure they're going to wait to the last minute before they roll them out because they want to sell as much product as they can before having to figure out how to hide you know, the fact that they're not very healthy all over again. It's going to cost them millions of dollars to do the research to redo their nutrition labels. So they're not going to do it right away. So just be aware that in you know another less than a year or so, there will be new nutrition labels. But in the meantime, just take what I said to heart and learn that. When the new one comes out or when, when we're getting closer to it, I'll do another podcast on nutrition labels just to kind of keep you abreast of the situation. But until then, you don't need to worry about it because they're not going to do anything. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, if anything was confusing or wasn't clear, please contact me. It was a lot of information. Uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't maybe as fun as the other podcasts. But this one's very important. I can't stress enough how important it is to do a food journal for a week and have somebody uh, that's, that's, that is experienced in food journal analysis, like myself, look it over. Uh, again, also, the, I'm offering free consultations right now. Take me up on it. Go to the website. Go to the coaching uh, box on the homepage. And in that paragraph, there'll be a, a, a link It says click here to get your free consultation, book it right through there, and I can answer any questions you have about the process or what I do or any questions you have about plant-based nutrition or whatever it is. So start food journaling, and until next week, go eat a salad.